This is episode nine of the Better Than Average podcast. We're going to wrap up the one point come from behind win over LaTeX in the season opener. A few thoughts on that. All of it much talked about at this point, but we're going to wrap it up and then look ahead to NC State with Mike Leach's Monday press conference. Better than average. You play football. A football? Oh, no. Juggernaut of a podcast. Better than average. It's like a radio show that's not on the radio. Coach, it's a great day for you, huh? Yeah, it's better than average, I'll tell you that. All right, welcome in. Better than average. I'm Matt. Appreciate y'all downloading, listening, and uh, helping me spread the word about the new podcast, which is presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Land Bank! The folks in North Mississippi who anything land-related, that's where you want to go. Uh, the kind of people you want to do business with. You can find branch offices for the land bank all across North Mississippi. Just great folks. And uh, again, you know, it doesn't have to be just big farmland, which they know that business backwards and forwards. Um, maybe you're not a farmer. If you are, certainly you need to, you know, know about the land bank. But if you're not, it could be recreational property. It could be finding a place to build that dream home, you know, a home in a rural area. Anything like that, that's where you want to go, mslandbank.com. All right, so first up, yeah, I'm a little bit late getting this episode. Uh, The first of the week, we have two every week, and what I've been going with is a Monday-Thursday release schedule, but I'm thinking I'm I'm, going to call an audible here because this didn't work out this (laughs) go-around. You know, you had a game on Saturday. And then what I was trying to do is get the film study video pumped out there on Sunday, then get this podcast published and out to you on this Monday night in order to have had a chance to kind of consume the Mike Leach press conference. There's a couple of things about that. One is, you know, that pushes getting this podcast out to you, pushes getting it out back to Monday night late possibly Monday night, depending on my schedule, which today some things popped up. And then in turn, I also felt like I kind of had to rush the film study just a little bit in order to get that out on a Sunday. So I think going forward, what I'm going to do is flip-flop it. And that is get the podcast, the first episode of the week after the games, get it published to you on Sunday, either Sunday night, Monday morning, and then take my time through Monday and Tuesday to get that film study video turned around so that I've got, you know, a chance to kind of take your time on it and uh, not feel like you have to rush it because, you know, the video part of it does take a little more time to edit. So just giving you a heads up on the schedule. I think what I'm going to look at is going forward instead of a Monday, Thursday schedule, I may back it up and, and start going with a Sunday, Wednesday schedule here for the podcast Uh, throughout the season and we'll see if that works a little better i think it probably will all right let's jump right into it um i thought what i would do is just sort of knock out some categories with you my thoughts here coming out of the ball game instead of just rambling on the overall uh, to keep it organized what i'm going to do is kind of go over my thoughts on will rogers which is a little bit different than what we did on the radio show. Today on the radio show, it's just total reaction. We never really got into one channel of specifics. It was just a lot of feedback coming from all different directions, which is a lot of fun on the radio. So I'm going to start off doing that here, kind of you know, talk about Will and 
what I see with him coming out of the first game. Some good, some bad, some ugly, and some more good. The offensive line, touch on that with you. Wide receivers, I thought they played well and some surprises there. And then a little bit about the defense also, which probably is under-talked about at this point. When there's 34 points on the board, but they gave up 27 of those on the defensive side. Um, so we'll get into that. And then before this episode is done, I'm going to hit a few of the comments coming out of Mike Leach's post-game press conference that you know I want to listen to with you. And then I'll finish it up with audio from his Monday presser, which happened today, which is game week, sort of looking ahead of the next opponent. Okay, so that's what's all coming up here on the podcast. First, I do want to remind you that this podcast is supported by Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance. I just can't say enough about them, and y'all know it. You've met them, um, the men and women who are your local agents. We call them hometown heroes for Farm Bureau all over the state of Mississippi because that's the way it is. When you need somebody, they're there, and they're local. And you, you know, especially in insurance, can't say enough about people that are local and that understand it. Work for a company like Farm Bureau, where you you climb the ladder, go to the top of that company, you go to Jackson, Mississippi. It's not some other state. So, um, really proud of them and and appreciate them supporting this content. Okay, so here's Will Rogers. You know, numbers wound up pretty good, right? Thirty nine of. 47, 370 yards, three touchdowns, and did have the one pick that unfortunately did go for a uh, a pick six. And it was it was big. I mean, that was big in a ball game. But, you know, the fourth quarter comeback to go, you're down 20 points. Doesn't matter at any point, but you're down 20, let alone in the fourth quarter. 21 fourth quarter points, come back, win the game by one, set a school record for a comeback. I mean, so there's so much positive there for a kid who's a sophomore. Going it well, you know. I guess he's um, technically he's a sophomore. I mean, but really not. Uh, according to the NCAA eligibility, he's still a freshman because last year didn't count for anyone. It was totally a free year for everybody, right? So he's at eighty-three percent completions on forty-seven attempts in the ball game, three hundred seventy yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. You know, there, there's a lot of good in there, but there are those second and third quarters that aren't good, right? And he's got some completions in there, but then there's a lot of other things that he could do better. So, you, you know, overall, I, I thought that he showed you a glimpse of the future. Now, let me just um, let me address something. Um, Will Rogers is going to break every record you've got. Okay, that's going to happen. And you can point to whatever you want to point to and say, well, you know, it's the offense or it's the number of pass attempts or whatever. Okay, whatever. I mean, that is what it is. But he'll be at the top of the record book in every pass category you've got by the time he's done here. That's going to happen, number one. Number two, does he have room to grow and get better and things? Absolutely. Who doesn't? <laughs> I mean, they all do. Okay, and don't. Don't roll your eyes and go, well, Matt's trying to outsmart all of us and tell us, oh, well, everybody can get better. What I'm saying is, kid has not played a full season as a starting quarterback yet in college. Last year was his first year, true freshman out of high school with no spring, no summer, had to miss the first two weeks of last season, finally gets there, gets a few backup snaps, and then takes over. And 
none of it was too big for him. My own experience was when I was a true freshman years ago, a quarterback at State, as a true freshman my first year there, it was too big for me. I mean, under no circumstance were they going to put me on the field or was I ready as a true freshman. Now, my second year, I was ready and played and started some games and played in a lot of games and was ready to go. So I was impressed that the whole thing was not too big for him last year at all, able to go in and play as a true freshman. And now you look at him as a sophomore, he goes out and plays his first game and does something that nobody's ever done before in school history, and that is come from 20 down and win three fourth-quarter touchdown drives and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's pretty incredible. He goes 10 for 10, perfect, in the fourth quarter when you've got to be clutch. One incompletion is going to get you beat. I mean, let that sink in. He throws 10 balls in the fourth quarter. He had to complete all 10, in my opinion. And he did. Okay, so I really think the, the good outweighs any of the bad. When you say bad, I mean, let's put it in perspective. I mean, we're not, I'm not, and, and nobody should be, frankly, critical of Will Rogers in this ballgame coming out of La Tech. You know, anybody that's critical, like over-the-top critical or even – you know, just whatever. Anybody that's critical is I, – I don't – I mean, i got to be careful here, but just doesn't know what they're talking about. I just don't know. I mean, no quarterback's going to play a perfect ball game. It just doesn't happen. Brady, Manning, all of them don't play perfect ball games, okay, let alone a sophomore kid, you know, first time ever to start a season opener in college. And – um you know, yet he's 83% on 47 attempts and scores 21 in the fourth quarter. There's so much good there. But, yeah, there's some bad, okay? There's a pick six, and that was a decision thing. You know, it wasn't a physical thing. It's just a decision to try to complete a ball inbounds when you just got to chunk it up there in the first row of the seats and punt or, or whatever, eat the play and go incomplete. It was just a decision on the pick six. And that stuff will get burned into his memory. He probably doesn't make that mistake again. You know, and as I showed you in the film study, sure, there are times throughout the game where you can point where, you know, maybe his eyes, as he gets experience, are going to, his eyes are going to be a little more disciplined of where they are once the defense starts rotating around after you snap the ball so that he can get it out on time. Sure, there are some times where protection is good enough. And, and maybe it was him who hesitated or looked the wrong way or, didn't quite see the rotation or or pulled or decided to leave the pocket a little too early as opposed to throwing it in there. But generally, I mean, those are little things. You know, a lot of the evaluations of Will's game in this first one, honestly, a lot of those things are stuff that you're talking you're talking about with older quarterbacks. You know, they weren't glaring misread issues. You don't throw it that many times, complete 83% if you've if you're misreading things all the time, that's not it. So I guess overall what I'm saying is um, I think kid's really good. People will talk about his arm strength. Well, that's another thing. People just don't know what they're talking about. Um, there's plenty of it. He can make whatever throw they need to make. If he couldn't, he wouldn't be out there. That's a fact. Okay. And, and you know, he, he goes on these long runs. Now, you know, if you look in the – he completed 11 in a row to finish the game, and the two completions before that were drops. A couple of guys dropped the football for him late third quarter. But in the fourth quarter, he's 10 for 10, 
And three of those were explosive plays. A 15-yarder, Austin Williams, they score the next play. The 40-yarder to Jameer Calvin, put you down there, you score. And then that late 18-yard play to uh, Tulu Griffin. See, and that was – well, you actually had four explosives because the, the last touchdown there to Wally was a 15-yard play also. And, you know, the 18-yard throw to Griffin, that's a screen pass. So that's another thing, too, that they got him going – in that fourth quarter and kind of got the offense going was you, you help the offensive line and help get into a rhythm. You've got to go quickly by taking advantage of cushion and throwing screens right and left, get it out of your hand quick, extended handoff play, and it gets you in a rhythm. And they mix those things really well in those last 10 throws in the fourth quarter, I thought. Now, you know, what's it got to do better? Yeah, it's just more consistently reading things on time. You know, I would point to number one. You know, he's he still does have a lot of the times where he'll come back to the check down to the back, but it's so late that you're getting him killed out there when you swing it out there to, you know, Woody Marks or flip it out to him. He's waiting on you in the flat, and he's your check down. It's so late that they're just coming downhill and just cleaning their clocks as soon as they catch a football. You're gonna get them killed. You know, so if those things tighten up and those decisions are made a little quicker where I'm checking it down to a back, but he's catching it with two, three yards of separation from a linebacker as opposed to one yard of separation. It's all the difference in the world. So I just think, you know, the the pro, the time and the quickness with which he's processing things is going to continue to get quicker. It was much quicker and better in the fourth quarter, and that was a huge difference in the offense going up and down the field. And in your hope as a fan or as a – Coach is that um, that fourth quarter would carry over to the to the other ball games, right? Going forward this week, you kind of pick up where you left off. Um, yeah, and I'm sure you know if I had questions, I could get into some more specifics with you. But you know, he goes on these long runs of completions, uh, you know, ten and eleven completions in a row and stretches, five in a row, seven, eight in a row. You know, finish the game ten in a row. He, he's just He's doing a good job. The ability is there. He is legit leader. You bring a team back at the end of a ball game like that, and the team believes in you forever, and that's important for him. So I like him, believe in him. Uh, he's a winner, and he's going to lead you to some more wins. And for people who are you know, being critical, they just don't know what they're talking about. That's just all it is to it. All right, flip it over to the offensive line now. I know there's been a lot of talk there also. You know, last week I talked about the inexperience from a number of starts. Very few. Some people brought it up to me after they listened to that last week, and it was like, you know, State's starting offensive line had, I think it was 28. Was it 24 or 28 career starts under its belt? Not very many at all. And you compared that, there were teams out there like Minnesota – their offensive line had what, like a hundred something starts under their belt, ninety something starts on the Virginia Tech offensive line. So you know there was some comparisons people made to show you yeah, there's a big gap in experience compared to some other teams, and and that is true. And you know the other thing, I kind of had this thought today, and I don't know why it's taken me this long to realize this, but someone texted in on the radio show and said, hey, Matt, uh, my nephew played offensive line, and 
in college, and he says that those wide splits make it hard on those interior linemen because for the first time in their lives as an interior lineman, they're having to pass block and stuff without any help. And they're, they're sort of, you know, out in space themselves pass blocking. And it's, it's a lot harder than people think it is. Well, and that's true. And it led me to think, well, look at what Mississippi State has done. In its starting five offensive linemen, the only interior career interior offensive lineman is your center, LeQuinston Sharp. All four others are tackles. Okay, what did tackles do? Tackles practice a lot and play a lot out in space, blocking a guy out in space on the edge, put him on that arc and drive him back there past the quarterback and you know, picking up twists, coming around the edge and all that kind of stuff out in space. Tackles are used to that. Guards and centers are not in a typical offense with tighter splits. And look at what State's done. Not only do you have, you know, your two tackles, Cross and Lashley, but your two starting guards are tackles also. Johnson, Dollar Bill Johnson, former tackle. Cameron Jones, right guard, former tackle. So four of your five starting offensive linemen are tackles. And it just makes perfect sense because of the wide splits. And you've got four of the five are guys who – have spent their careers to this point more often blocking people out in space. And I think that's by design. It just makes sense. And so going into the game, I knew there was going to be issues. I was telling you all about it last week. We talked about it in the pregame. You, I say issues. You just knew there would be hiccups. You know, There's some things they're going to learn in games that you can't replicate in practice. Intensity, speed, blocking somebody else, the adjustments they're making throughout the game, you know, getting calls at the line of scrimmage when there's not much time on the play clock and, you know, all these different things. Well, they, they needed to experience it. I knew there'd be some ups and downs. And, boy, there were some ups and downs, especially in those second and third quarters where after you went up 14 nothing because you got the football in short field, LaTeX started adjusting and trying to foul up your pass protection with a bunch of twists, you know, lineman twists, and stunts, uh, stunts and twists with your linebackers, and they were getting, you know, they were getting into the backfield, getting pressure, uh, hitting Rogers, force a fumble, flush him out of there, hit him while he's throwing, you know, blow up a run game. Uh, I encourage you to watch. It's a really long film study that I posted on YouTube, but if you go and look at it, I've put chapters on it on the YouTube video so that you can scroll down at the bottom and find what you want to look at. And go look at some of the bad and some of the ugly in the middle portions of those games. The stat that I sent out that was pretty telling was that in the first and fourth quarters combined, the beginning and the end of the game, first and fourth quarters, State had seven offensive possessions, scored five touchdowns. But in the second and third quarters combined, the meat of the game in the middle, those two quarters combined, State never ran four plays without a penalty or a turnover. They never ran four consecutive plays without a penalty or a turnover in those two quarters. And that's, you know, a lot of it was offensive. Not all, but a lot of it was offensive line. You had some holdings in there and um, just some issues on the offensive line that led to a, a drop-off in the continuity. But the good news was, again, you could see it on the film, some of those same stunts and twists that they struggled with in the second and third quarters, they start picking it up in the fourth quarter. And they kept Will Rogers clean. They blocked some of those same things and did a much better job in the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, it made a difference. So 
I, overall, I would go like, you know, as a group, they got to be a lot better. For four solid quarters, they have to be a lot better. You can't have any more games, especially against good teams like NC State coming in. You can't have any more games where you go to sleep for 30 minutes of a 60-minute ball game. And you can't pick this up. Or you can't pass block that guy. You know, or we're not handing off twists. Like, you know, whatever. Um, you can't have 15, 20, 30-minute stretches in any ball game like you did against La Tech where you're fouled up and it takes you a while to figure it out. You'll get beat. So those things, they have to get better. I mean, that has to stick. But I still like the size and the athleticism up there. I really do. I think they got the right guys up there. Now they're going to challenge them, and they may think them think make them think they don't have the right guys up there, and you got to prove it. But that's okay too. Look, Scott Lashley was good at right tackle, especially you go back and watch, and he didn't give up much the entire ball game. I thought he was really solid up front. That's a good sign for him, you know, a guy with a lot of ability, and it's just never come to fruition in ball games, and now maybe it is now that he's got a chance to be out there. Um, so overall, you know, offensive line, I got to be better. Sure, biggest thing is penalties and picking up stunts. They got better in the fourth quarter, but it's going to have to be four solid quarters of it every week if you want to go out here and beat some people and overachieve. Uh, receivers, um, good group that I thought played pretty well. You did have what? Um, I guess you were credited with three drops in the game. And uh, which ain't bad, balls in the air 47 times, but still they'll say they're supposed to catch every one of them. Makai Polk was most reliable. He got 10 catches. That was the most on the team. They targeted him 11 times. The catch rate was really good for everybody, and the completion percentage would back that up. His longest was a 10-yarder, and so 10 catches, 57 yards, which that needs to go up on the average for him. Just being on the outside, it uh, didn't happen. You know, and some of that's on quarterback too, but because he's got the ability to hit some explosive plays for you. But he was a part of it, certainly. Um, you know, you go back to that uh, Jameer Calvin big, ever how many yard play that was in the fourth quarter, the big catch across the field that got you down there and you scored. Um, it was Polk running the vertical up that seam on the backside that Jameer Calvin was crossing to that held the safety in the middle that got him wide open on the sideline. So, you know, it's still a team game. Uh, Austin Williams, five catches, 57. His only negative was the fumble, you know, but he had some big plays. And it was a nice read of his that got you going on that first touchdown in the fourth quarter. A nice read of seeing the zone, free safety in the middle. He comes behind the linebacker, hooks it up in the throwing lane. The ball was waiting on him, and that was a nice job. Wally, four catches. I thought Jameer Calvin really showed, you know, what he's capable of. And, and to me, overall, as a group, it's new names that have really, I think, are really going to give you a shot in the arm going forward if the protection holds up. If the protection holds up, Will Rogers is going to complete a lot of balls. We all know that. And when you look at the newcomers, Polk, he leads you in catches in the, in the first ball game you play. You look at Calvin, he leads you in receiving yards in the first ball game that he plays. And then uh, in the top, Four guys in receiving yards is a brand-new guy in Ra-Ra Thomas, uh, a freshman with three catches for 55. And he had the second-longest average catch. Calvin averaged 22.3 a catch. 
Thomas averaged 18.3. So it was a group that I thought they pretty much did their job. And in the fourth quarter also, when you had to have it on screens, you saw guys like Austin Williams and Jaden Wally and Calvin blocking out in front of screens and really doing a nice job to spring some of those, and, and they helped get you going. Um, now, where are the disappointments? Okay, N- number one, uh, the disappointment on offense is the lack of consistent execution of just your basic stuff. Just, I mean, don't hold, don't fall, start, don't turn the ball over, right? Don't commit a penalty and don't give it back to them you got to be able to go out and run plays and put drives together. If they stop you, you shake their hand after the game and say, good job. But you keep stopping yourself and turning it over. I mean, it was just – when I said the game was a good, the bad, and the ugly, and I'm primarily talking about the offense there, um, that's really what it was. There was a lot of good, some in the first quarter, a whole bunch of it in the fourth. There was a lot of bad, you know, little things. And then there were major things that were just ugly. And there was a period of time where in that second and third quarter, I looked at Neil in the broadcast booth and I said, I I don't know I've ever seen anything like this. (laughs) I mean, it is that bad. And then to just totally come to life, you you just had, you know, lots of different personalities pop up on that offense and you can't live that way. You know, and to me, that's the disappointing thing is I think it's when you show the ability – to really kind of have, even in the first ball game, kind of a 30-minute period of time, second and third quarters, where you just sort of melt completely down, that's worrisome because you're going to go the rest of the year, maybe not the players, but those of us that are not in a helmet, we go the rest of the year wondering when that's going to pop up again because you've seen it happen, you're afraid it's going to happen again. So that was disappointing, just the lack of consistency in executing basic stuff and getting some of the basic things right of just running plays clean. You know, that was disappointing offensively. And um, the other thing that disappointed me was the defense. I'll be honest with you, okay, La Tech is a, a better team than a lot of people realized. Sure, they're not great, but uh, they're a better team than some realize. I think Austin Kendall, the quarterback, was pretty doggone good for them and seemed to be a better player than a lot of people realized too. 20 of 36, 269, two TDs. One of those TDs was a gift on a bus, but that's what I'm talking about. The defense giving up three touchdowns and two field goals. Defense allowing, on their account, 27 points to this La Tech team. That I never did see coming. I honestly didn't see that coming. Now, the first two touchdowns were total gifts because they were busts. I tried my best to cover those in the film study. You know, the first one on the the busted coverage on the throw – Listen, y'all, understand. I put it in the film study. Go watch it. It'll show you what's happening. That was not a deal where somebody couldn't cover somebody. That was they pump faked a screen pass, which the corners have been flying downhill and blowing those up, and Forbes jumped on it. They were in what looked like a man-to-man look, and when he saw the screen coming out wide, he jumped off his man to come downhill and hit the screen when they pump faked it and got exactly what they wanted because he bit and then they throw it over his head because he turned his guy loose. And they were in kind of a zero look because any safety help had lined up on the other side of the field. And that's what I don't know if – I don't even know if he was supposed to line up over there, but he did. And so that was definitely a bust. You know, just watching it on film, it's hard to figure out exactly who busted <laughs> and how bad. You know, you feel like 
Forbes was probably supposed to lock up in man on that outside guy and only come off of it when you see the ball thrown and don't don't guess on it because he didn't have any help over the top. But the other thing was if there's some sort of rule built in for that three over three, I'm talking three DBs over three receivers wide side of the field, if there's some sort of call or adjust or rule built in where if that number three receiver bubbles for the screen, you're coming off and then somebody's who lined up over the bubble is now getting over the top to help with that. Well, then that was a bust too because none of that happened. So it was a busted coverage totally that just basically gave them six points. They baited you into biting on that screen throw and, and you did it. And then they came back and you had a bust on the long touchdown run by Kendall. Uh, the 59-yard touchdown run because the third and short, you're playing man and you only had two safeties that were next-level guys. And you would think if you're in man responsibilities, only one of those guys is keying on that running back. But they both went to the same side. Both um, of the safeties that walked down. I think it was Peters and Duncan, but don't quote me on that. But both of them went to the same side. They're in the same spot when he went reading that mesh point on a zone run on third and short. And when they both, you know, one of them is out of position, there's just nobody there accounting for him when he kept the football. So it was another bust. So you give up 27 points on a defensive side and two of those touchdowns because of just, you just busted um, was really disappointing to me. Probably the most disappointing part of the ball game. I didn't feel like there was any way that Louisiana Tech team should have been, you know, been able to put up 34 points in the ball game, but two busts on defense and a pick six on offense, and you, you almost gifted them the football game, even though you're having your own struggles. So, um, you know, that's all those things. And people go, and, and I'll wrap up those thoughts with this. People go, well, we got to clean that up. You know, we're going to go back and we're going to address it and clean it up. I, I always cringe a little bit when I hear that stuff. I think. A lot of times that kind of talk is coaches giving something to the fan bases that they can consume and will eat and be happy and full for one week until the team runs out there again. Because, you know, in my opinion, there a lot of times those mistakes and stuff like that in the early games is indicative of kind of who you are at this point in your careers and in your life and in your season and in the year. It's just kind of who you are. You don't you don't go to practice during a game week. Um, most often you don't with two full real practices a week and just totally clean up every mistake you made the week before and it never happened again. Well, that, no, there's a reason they happened to begin with. And to eliminate mistakes and change a habit here and there, man, is a grind a, a week after week after week of just hammering on it and finally you get it sort of thing. Because you got to remember, I mean, your opponents are, they're not static either. You're not seeing the same thing every week. You're not seeing the same people, the same packages, the same matchups. So week to week, you don't know what you're going to get. So that's why experience is so huge. And just frankly, this team doesn't have experience on the offensive line. They're, they're picking it up with every snap they take. You don't have experience in your offensive skill positions, at least not together. Your quarterback's true sophomore. Both your running backs true sophomores. 
Wally, true sophomore, Ra Ra, true freshman, and oh by the way, you know the other two guys who had you know a huge part of our pass game the other day. This is their first year, Polk and Calvin. They haven't been here before. I mean, like literally the only veteran at all in in your offensive group that's touching the football is Austin Williams. He's the only one. And I left out uh, Tulu Griffin. Well, he's technically a freshman too because last year didn't count against him either. So you don't have experience there. And you've got some on defense. And, and you're going to get some people uh, back. You get DeMonte Russell back, and that's really going to help you, I think, in terms of pass rush. But, you know, there it's – it's it's pro- I would imagine too. It's a little bit of a sigh of relief defensively that you're gonna play somebody now who you have film of, right? You were guessing on LaTeX what you were gonna see packages, personnel, schemes, everything, because you couldn't entirely go off last year's film because it has so many new players, including a new quarterback, right? So now you're playing NC State and you're watching their film last week of you. University of South Florida, who they just demolished 45 to nothing. NC State's really good. But you're watching their film and you're breaking down their tendencies and their people and who you're going to see. And that probably really helps your confidence uh, on defense also. So I expect a better defensive outing. Just, you know, do you give up points in NC State? Sure you will. But just from a eliminating the big bust, you know, you probably won't see that stuff this week, which is good news. And that's the hope anyway. And I look, I know this has been hit or miss kind of jumping around, but I appreciate you understanding. There's a lot of content out there on it uh, from me. I would encourage you. It's a very long film study video, but I cover the good early, uh, the bad in the middle, the ugly down the stretch, and then the good of the fourth quarter. All 10 throws. I'm breaking down all that stuff, 10 completions in the fourth quarter, everything on that film study. So that'll be worth your time. You can go back and listen to some of the conversations we got in on the radio show um, it's streamed live on Facebook and YouTube, and it's still at both those places if you want to go back and check it out. Uh, it's there for you, and I hope you'll do that also. And as we get closer to releasing the next, it'll be a, this is episode nine, so we get to episode 10. We'll shoot, we'll probably still do that on Thursday of this week and then get into the new schedule next week. Uh, it'll be time to flip it over and do a full on NC State preview, and I'll take your questions. Uh, going into next weekend. All right, now I'm going to flip it over and let's hear what Mike Leach had to say. We're going to start with the post-game press conference. The game had just ended. I thought he was in rare form after that one. Here's about five and a half minutes of the post-game interview with Mike Leach. You know, and we did have contributions. We rose uh, offense, defense, and special teams, you know, to win that game. But the thing is, is we squandered an awful lot and we did it early. And we did it in a bad fashion, too. So I think, um, you know, we got to go back and coach better this next week. Coach, uh, it seemed like in the third quarter, especially towards the end of the quarter, you guys are really going down the field a lot more and working more of that intermediate passing game. Was that just something that had been set up throughout the ball game, or was it just a matter of having some urgency? In, in the third quarter, um, is that when we were still giving it back to them at every turn? Oh well, when we started to come back, <clears throat> you know, it wasn't it wasn't really that so much. A starting point was we quit giving it back to them, you know. And and and, and one of the biggest keys to finishing a drive is don't give the ball back to the other guy. 
And so I think that was a, a critical step for us. The other thing, we went through a period in the third period where, you know, that some guys quit. And uh, we're going to address that. We're going to look at that on film because if a guy quits, you know, that's coaching. Either you got to coach him different or you need a different guy. And um, so we got to adjust that. Uh, you know, the biggest thing is, is I think we, we just played together more consistently. I think it was a series of overcorrections. I think uh, we went out there and I think we started pretty good, started the game pretty good. Okay, then we got up on them uh, <clears throat> uh, two touchdowns. We felt like, well, this is going to be easy. And so then um, I think there's some of those guys out there that uh, took their foot off the throttle and um, – you know, so they thought they'd start some screwy victory lap or something stupid like that, which can you imagine doing that against Law Tech, a team that dumps uh, players in the NFL every year and has upset team after team after team, one after the next, and uh, is one of the most brutal brutal teams on earth to uh, play over history. And then, but nevertheless, <coughs> we did that. And then, um, and then, yeah, uh, so then it was like, uh, uh, you know, after we took the foot off the throttle, then I think we panicked. And it was team-wide. It wasn't a specific side of the ball. I think it was team-wide. <clears throat> and then we panicked. And then as we panicked, we tried to make too much happen, and then the, uh, the things just blew up in our face. And then uh, the fourth quarter... When we pulled it up and talked there in the fourth quarter timeout, um, we settled down. We settled down. We played fast uh, uh, for the full quarter, played fast for the full quarter, uh, made up a lot of lost ground, and then uh, and I thought really played well uh, that fourth quarter. Now, if we even get a half of that, we're a lot better team. If we get th uh, four quarters of that shit, then we're a great team, you know. But uh, I'll tell you this. One thing that I thought was um, uh, LaTex, because uh, um, they have a lot of experienced guys. You know, anytime the roster is full of seniors, they got a bunch of seniors. Um, you know, they kind of expose some of our, uh, our immaturity. I mean, we're growing. We're getting there. But, you know, they kind of played a little bit more like uh, guys that have played a little more football in several phases, I thought. Coach, what can you say about the resiliency of a young quarterback like Will Rogers to have a tough second and third quarter, but to pick himself off the ground and, and have that kind of performance? Well, I thought I thought that was good. He had some help too, you know. I think in that third, I think he held the ball. Then I think our offensive line got pushed around. You know, I think their three would shove around our five and you know steal their lunch money. And then uh, finally, after they didn't have enough lunch money, they got um, they got hungry, so they decided to play. And then, uh, which uh, and then Will figured, well, I better hurry uh, and pick uh, pick it up a little bit. And then I don't know, we got in a rhythm, and that's the key. I mean, when you're playing with all eleven, you get in a rhythm. If you play with eight or nine, it's sporadic, you know, because you don't know, know you know what part's going to blow. And so then. You know, you get going, and then all of a sudden, you know, something bad happens. So, Coach, you mentioned uh, trying to force the action, do too much, and then at the same time they were to hurry in the fourth quarter. How did Will and the others strike that balance of hurrying without forcing? 
That's a great question. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, if I knew the answer to that, I would have done it the first three quarters. I mean, uh, he just settled in and did his job. Says, listen, I've tried to do too much. I've tried to show what a hot shot, uh, big arm, uh, extra clever quarterback I am. I'm just going to put my eyes in the right place and throw the ball uh, where my eyes tell me. And then simultaneously, the receivers went to where they were supposed to be, looked when they were supposed to, and the offensive line blocked. I, I, I think there was more to it than just him, but I think he was a significant part of it. And, um, you know, and I think, uh, uh, you, you know, as bad as he played at times, he didn't really flinch or give in, you know. So I thought that was, you know, the composure to do that I thought was uh, very good. All right, that's post-game with Mike Leach. And before I turn you loose now, fast forward uh, about 48 hours. This is today on Monday, his weekly press conference, which is sort of recapping the weekend, but also looking ahead to NC State. And you'll hear Mike Leach's comments on that as well. Monday press conference with Coach Leach. Uh, you know, not not really. I mean, it, we, it was a game of phases. So we went out there. I thought we came out, we played well. Then I think we coasted. Then we got hit in the mouth. Uh, then we panicked. And then um, and then we played real well. So it was like that's pretty much the game. You talked Saturday just a little bit about the, the maybe the panic and a little bit quit in the team. Right. Um, and, and the sense of how that was maybe a reflection of some of the coaching. What, what do you feel you guys need to do this week as coaches to, to make sure that doesn't happen again? I, I just think that, you know, we've, we've been very, very, very positive up to this point. And I think, uh, you know, if you go too far with that, uh, then I think that, um, you know, that uh, the people relax. I think that they can relax. I think we really need to hold these guys to, because we're still a very young team, and I think we need to hold them accountable for, you know, their job. I mean, the simplest thing, if we do our job every time, we're happy with the whole game. I mean, we may not get the the record for the biggest comeback in the history of the school, but, uh, um, you know, we'd have a, we would have played better overall, you know. Back to kind of what you saw on film, was there anything different that Will Rogers did in that fourth quarter that he wasn't doing in the second, third quarter? Yeah, he relaxed. He relaxed. He quit pressing. He quit trying to force things. I mean, because he did the same thing that our whole team did. And the thing that was kind of different about this experience is our whole team, it's almost like they thought with the same brain, um, you know, because it, it, it wasn't like a lot of times there will be like one phase is doing one thing, one phase is doing the other. That wasn't the case with us. I mean, it was it was like literally the same. And so... You know, I mean, it's kind of like the same offensive lineman you see getting him hit or the same ones uh, mowing him down and giving him a long time to throw that fourth quarter, you know. And the fourth quarter is when everybody's supposed to be tired. But, you know, hey, they're 22 years old. When I was 22, I never got tired. So, I mean, we like to talk about it. But uh, when I was that age, I didn't get tired. And at least relatively speaking, I mean, you know, some of you young folks in here, you don't know what tired is. And um, so uh, I think that um, no, I, we the, the biggest the biggest thing is is, is the motivation and the thing with uh, football you have to do it together and so then they call it execution um, and then uh, and that's the thing is everybody's got to do it together simultaneously and then 
and it was it was like a switch. I mean, you know, I mean the the one of the best uh, <clears throat> examples of the whole thing was we start out the game. Tulu gets a long kickoff return because a bunch of people are getting their blocks. Okay, so then after that on the kickoff returns. They're stuffing him inside the 20 because, you know, on each play there would be like three guys that decide, well, this one just doesn't matter as much and maybe the other guy will make a play. And then on the last one, when we really needed it, we got a bunch of blocks. And so, I mean, so, you know, I mean, it's a pretty good contrast to how it works when everybody does their job and how it works when people don't, so. Hey, Mike. Um, NC State team coming in here that obviously played very well last week, got a ton of rushing on it was like 268, that looked good under center. Just based on what, what you've seen from that, what problems on either side of the ball could they pose to, to your group, and how confident are you in your guys' chances against them, considering where you guys are at uh, so far this season? Well, we definitely have to get better this week. They're a good team. Uh, I think on defense they run to the ball well. I think they play with the you know, a lot of enthusiasm. The other thing, they got quite a bit of experience back. Um, so, you know, we just got to play well. I mean, NC State's going to do whatever they do, and we just have to focus on ourselves and uh, be the best team that we can be out there. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's all we really have control over. I mean, they're, you know, so if, 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 if we do our job the best we can, I mean, that uh, gives us the best chance, so. All right, that'll do it for Episode 9 here of the Better Than Average Podcast, presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Land Bank. Visit them online, mslandbank.com. Thanks for listening, subscribing, and I'll see you on the next one.